Good morning. Hello. It's so nice to see you all. Hello. I'm Pastor Nicole. If this is your first Sunday here, welcome. We are so glad to see you. We have a lot of new faces here, which is always exciting. So thank you for being here with us this morning. We have an exciting service today. So I'm excited to worship with you all here in just a moment. Uh, before we kick off, this is a special Sunday where we want to recognize the high school graduates uh, that are affiliated with BFCN. Uh, we have some one high school graduate, but two college graduates that we want to make you aware of so that you can celebrate them, maybe send them a card or uh, drop one off to their families. So today we're celebrating the graduation of Owen Kelly. Mom and dad are over here. Hi, mom and dad. We celebrate with you guys. Owen graduated yesterday from Belleville East High School, and Owen, this is amazing, is attending SLU to play baseball for them. So that is amazing. We are so excited for them. Be sure to share with him, you guys, how proud we are of Owen and just excited to hear about everything he does. And then our college graduates, oh, worked so hard. Jonah Flynn, which this just blows my mind because Jonah graduated, like, I swear he just started yesterday and he's already graduated. He graduated early. And so today we celebrate you, Jonah. He graduated from Olivet Nazarene University with a Bachelor's of Science in Actuarial Science. So let's give him a huge applause. Um, I just, I stand in awe of that boy. He is pretty amazing. And then Melanie Peters, uh, the Peters are gone today uh, attending another graduation of a family member, but we are celebrating Melanie today, who also graduated from Olivet, and she has her uh, graduated with her Bachelor of Science in Biology. And we celebrate you, Melanie, if you watch this later. We love you. We're so proud of you. Uh, just so proud of, of your... Um, the way that you were able to walk across that stage so beautifully in honor of your dad. And we just, we celebrate with her. Amen. Amen. Congratulations, graduates. We are so excited for you and can't wait to see and hear all the good that you guys do. Um, we're blessed to have you. And before we get started, I do want to share one really exciting announcement with you all. Um, a few weeks ago, we had our Vision Sunday, and I was able to share with you guys, or celebrate rather, some of the amazing things that God has been doing um, at BFCN over the past year. And I was able to kind of share with you some vision that we are working toward over this next year. And so some of that includes um, some things that we just really felt like we needed some additional help and support with. And so um, after months of praying and discerning and talking, um, your church board has unanimously um, agreed to bring on a part-time pastor. Um, this, and I, let me just go ahead and share with you that uh, this is going to be Bo, my husband, my amazing husband Bo is going to be coming on staff uh, part-time starting June 5th, Monday, June 5th. And so I want to share with you, <laughs> thank you for that. I want to share with you, um, we are excited about this opportunity because Bo is going to be our associate pastor of outreach and discipleship. And those are two, uh, he'll be focusing on some other things as well, but those are the two main things that we've decided, me, your church board, other leaders in the church have decided that this is the direction we want to go, where we want to be more actively and intentionally 
intentionally engage with our local community. And we see the need to grow in in deeper discipleship here in our congregation and in discipleship with others. And so we see this as a need, and Bo is is qualified and capable, and we are just excited um, about this new opportunity for us and for Bo. And so I just wanted to share that exciting news with you all. Great days are ahead, but as always, we cover all of this in prayer. And I'm always reminded of scripture that says that we can make our own plans, but without the Lord's guidance, those will fall incredibly short. And so I'm the first one to tell you that I don't want to make plans without God as the one who is guiding us and leading us as we take each and every step. And so I want you to know that each step is covered in prayer, lots and lots of prayer, and has been discerned carefully. And I hope that you know that, and I hope that you are excited about the days ahead because I truly, truly am. And so I just wanted to share that with you. And now let's open up. Let's ask the Lord to be here with us. God, we just thank you for what has already been um, an exciting day. And we just thank you, God, that your presence is here ready to meet with us. God, we come here today after a a long and and heavy week. And Lord, our hearts are are ready to be um, in your care. God, we just continue to look to you to be the one who sustains us, who strengthens us. God, we just look to you to continue to give us hope on even the darkest days. And so, God, we gather here knowing that you are here, that you are present, that we are your people, and you are our God. God, we worship you with praise and adoration because we love you. We love you and we recognize your great love, a glimpse of your great love for us. And today we respond with praise and adoration. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill this place. I pray that you would draw near to us in a new and sweet and powerful way. I pray that your presence would be so strong that we wouldn't be able to deny it. I pray that our hearts would be opened in these moments to not focus on anything else, no details, no distractions, but I pray that we can fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. And that you would draw near to us. We love you. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Please stand if you're able to. And let's worship the Lord together.
cares. Bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us.
Be magnified from the altar of my life. 
seated. Remain in a posture of worship as we go into a time of prayer. God, I can't help but feel just a little overwhelmed at the theme that I saw and noticed in our songs today. God, what a beautiful reminder that you are the creator of everything. That God, you are infinite and our minds cannot even begin to comprehend how great you are. And God, I'm convinced that 
even though I appreciate we, we have this foretaste of your goodness and of your greatness, I'm convinced that if we fully knew, if we could fully understand and comprehend your goodness and your greatness, God, that as, we, as these words said, we would all just be speechless and we would all be brought to our knees in adoration. All of creation would, would never stop singing your praises. And God, I'm just in awe of you today. I'm in awe of your goodness, of your mercy, of your majesty, of your glory. And God, in the midst of all of that, I'm in awe that you would look to me and that you would look to me kindly with love and with grace and that you would draw me in and call me yours. And God, my heart grieves at how we can so easily at times when life becomes incredibly difficult, when our hearts are heavy, when we are filled with grief, when things are going on that we just don't understand, it's so easy to feel tempted to question you, to, to assume that, that we know better. And while I believe, God, that you welcome our questions, you welcome our doubts, you, you create a space for us to be real and vulnerable, God, I just thank you for the reminder this morning that you still reign today that you are still a God of glory and majesty and goodness and of love and that you love each and every one of us and you told us that this world would be filled with troubles. You, you never made it out to be easier than it might be. God, you reminded us that we will have troubles, that we will face difficult moments, but none of that changes you or who you are. And so today... I just sit and I linger in that truth a little bit longer. And I just thank you, God, that you never fail to gently, sweetly remind me. You press it upon my heart that you see me, you know me, breaks my heart. You care about what the burdens that I'm carrying. God, you see all of us and you know all of us in this beautiful, intimate way. And I just pray, God, that as we acknowledge how great and mighty and infinite you are, I pray that, that while we acknowledge that and while we praise you and worship you for this truth, I pray that we would also receive more of your tender, sweet presence that wants to draw near to us today. I pray that our hearts, that we would allow our hearts to feel overwhelmed at just how great you are and that we wouldn't be able to contain our praise and our adoration. God, help us to not be captivated by the things of this world, by the things of this life in such a way that that we don't burst forth in praise when all creation is already doing so. God, help us to remember who you are. Help us to reflect today on your goodness. 
God, help us to know, each person here, help us to know within the depths of our heart just how seen and known and loved we are by you. And in case we forget, we are so grateful for your presence that is with us in and through the Holy Spirit who is a reminder, a living, breathing reminder of your presence, of your goodness, and of just how much you love us. We rest in that love today. We praise your name. God, we love you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, this morning, um, I am excited to invite Nikki Whitney to share a word with us. So as you may know, some of you may not know, you may have missed it, that Nikki is a newly local licensed minister at Belleville First Church of the Nazarene. Um, It's just amazing to to see how God brought Gabe and Nikki here and how um, God has just continued to reveal uh, his calling over Nikki's life and that we get to share in that gift. Like it's a beautiful gift that, that God has given her, that God has placed upon her life. And, and we just get to witness that and, and get a glimpse of it. And I'm just so grateful. It's been a beautiful thing. And so um, Nikki preached her first sermon here. It's been a few months ago now, but today she's she comes on assignment for a preaching class, um, and I know she knocked it out of the park for her first one, and she's going to do the same today, um, but I'm also grateful that it worked out that Nikki is going to be preaching um, in, in this series. It's still going with the series of the Forgotten God, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, in the life of the church, and so we're continuing in or on that theme today, and so Nikki, Come come and share uh, with us the word that the Lord has given you. Would you all just warmly welcome her this morning? Did I do it right? Oh, hi. Good morning. Oops, sorry. Wow, I can actually see you guys. This is different because I'm usually up here during worship and it's dark. All right, good morning. It's good to be here. I'm grateful and humbled to be here today bringing the word of the Lord. So I just know that it's going to be God and the Holy Spirit who speaks to you today, not me, hopefully. Because if it was me, I doubt that would be anything very valuable to you. So I just want to acknowledge that I feel a little weird because I, I really feel for you, Nicole, because it's like you fix your hair and then you put this thing on and it, it just feels really like it's push. It, it feels very weird. So I'm going to try to not touch my hair. And, I, and you guys just have grace for that because, you know, Christ be magnified in my hair, my crazy hair. <laughs> I'm worried about it. That's the problem. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take your word for it. So I'm just going to, I know Nicole just prayed a beautiful prayer, but I am going to just do a really brief opening prayer because that makes me feel better, and I think it's just good for us to do prayer all the time. So God, I just thank you for all the beautiful, wonderful people that you've gathered here this morning, all the people who are listening online. Lord, I know that you have something to say to us today. So I just ask humbly, Lord, that you would have your way that all of our agendas and distractions and the plans that we have would be laid aside 
and instead that we would focus on your presence, that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. Each and every person, you have something to say. And we believe that this morning, God. So I humbly ask that you would use me as a vessel for your spirit, for your words. And even if I uh, totally flub this entire sermon, I trust that your Holy Spirit is going to minister to your people, because that's what you do. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm just going to be really honest and super vulnerable with you guys this morning. Is that okay? I am really tired. I'm really tired, and I think not just physically tired, but like weary in my soul. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that feeling. I think life has a way of sometimes just beating you down. The last couple weeks for our community in particular have been really hard. But if I'm honest, I've been weary for a while. And I've even said to the Lord on multiple occasions, I don't know how much farther I can go. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if anyone in this room can relate to that. But I don't think it's just me. Author and Christian counselor John Eldridge says, we've been sucked into a pace of life nobody's enjoying. In 2020, the American Psychological Association released a statement saying, we are facing a national mental health crisis that could yield serious health and social consequences for years to come. Just last year, the American Institute of Stress did a study, and they said that one in three people report feeling extreme stress. Almost half say that they have trouble sleeping because of stress, and 77% of people said stress impacts their physical health. So as many of you know, and as Pastor Nicole mentioned, we've been in this series titled after Francis Chan's book, The Forgotten God on the Holy Spirit. In the closing chapter of the book, Chan said, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this in my own power. I want to live in such a way that I am desperate for him to come through. That's interesting, right? According to Francis Chan, feeling desperate is actually a really good place to be. So hold on to that, because that's going to be important. But I will tell you that of all people, the prophet Joel absolutely understands feeling desperate. We're going to be looking at the book of Joel. It is a book of prophetic poems, a very short book. It's three chapters. You can read it later today if you want. I highly encourage you to do so. But it surrounds an event in Israel, a calamity, really a plague of locusts. And while I think for us that may not seem like a super big deal, for an ancient agricultural society, that is absolutely devastating. Their entire economy is just demolished almost overnight. 
And from some of the context, according to the prophet Joel, this may have been going on for years. So the people are desperate. They don't have food. They don't have rain. They're struggling. And the prophet Joel says, we have only one hope. We must cry out to Yahweh for help. And he leads the people in a cry for help, a cry of community prayer. And God is faithful to respond, right? So in chapter 2, starting in verse 18, God does respond. And he starts telling the people, he promises to restore the land, to pay them back for the years that they've lost. And he says twice, I, my people will no longer be put to shame. It's a beautiful response, but he doesn't stop there. It's really interesting because God says he's going to restore the land. He's going to provide for his people. He's going to remove their shame, and that sounds really good, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to make an additional promise, and that's what we're going to read today. I want to give you a little bit of, this is a spoiler alert, kind of, for next week, because for some of you may not be aware that next week is Pentecost Sunday. And some of you probably do know that on Pentecost, the Apostle Peter stood up and he quoted the prophet Joel. So that is what we're going to be looking at today, the part that he quotes. So hopefully this will give you a little background information. I'm going to try not to step on anybody's toes. But I do just want to say, it's a little bit ironic, you guys can laugh, because for those of you who heard my first sermon, I preached on an entire chapter in the Gospel of John, which I think was in the ballpark of like 41 verses, and today I'm only reading two. (laughs) So apparently I'm really all or nothing, you guys. There is a reason, though, and I will just tell you briefly that I'm sure all of you can appreciate that the prophetic writings are extremely complex. And the verses surrounding this area, they also tend, as the prophets do, to say some really odd things. So without having the time to really give them the effort and explanation that they really need and deserve, I felt it would be more distracting than helpful to read those verses. But I do encourage you to read the whole book of Joel in context. And if you have questions, come and ask me, because I also wrote an exegetical paper on the longer version of this passage, so I may have some answers for you. All right, so I am going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. It's only two verses. It's going to be all right, if you can. We're starting in verse 28. This is God speaking. He says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We're going to stop there. (laughs) I think I cut the rest of those verses. All right, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So as I was preparing for this sermon and studying this passage, I think the most important thing that I could say to you right out the gate is that I believe that this outpouring that Joel describes is available to us today. I'm going to give this a go. I had a feeling that it wasn't going to want to work for me. Yeah, there it is. 
Okay, Nazarene commentator Timothy Green says, the ongoing retraditioning of this text that is apparent in Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is true to the spirit, conviction, and function of the book of Joel. He goes on to say, in many respects, the nature of the book of Joel allows for the prophet's audience to remain open throughout time. So without a ton of time to go into all of it, there's several things that the prophet Joel does to give us a clue that he's keeping his audience relatively open. He uses present and future tense language, and he doesn't include very many historical details. He fails to call out Israel for specific sins, which if you think that's a nice thing for him to do, that's extremely unusual for the prophets. The prophets were the people that you would not want to invite to a party because they always were calling out people's sin. That's what they do. So Joel is really unique in that he doesn't do that. So a lot of scholars believe that Joel did this intentionally to leave his audience relatively timeless. It's important to note because this is not always the case for the prophets and even some of the Old Testament scriptures, right? The text is not intended to be read necessarily where that we are putting ourselves in the position of the intended audience and applying it directly to us. But I do believe that that is the case for the prophet Joel. So the first thing I want to say to you today is the section that I did not read of God's response that I mentioned earlier illustrates to us that God is faithful to respond and restore. And the reason why I say that is because I think many of us in this room today need to hear that. We need to be reminded that God is faithful. Nothing is wasted in our lives, especially our suffering. God is faithful to work all things for our good. He will provide, he will restore, and he will remove our shame. But the prophet Joel goes on, as I said, to just kind of go above and beyond. Everything prior to this was a direct response to the requests of the people in their prayers. But God goes on to offer something that, like, no one asked for. Have you guys seen those little memes, like, no one? Some of you know what I'm talking about. No one asked for this. No one even thought to ask for this. But God's like, hey, I'm going to restore your land. I'm going to send away the locusts. And guess what? I'm going to pour out my spirit. This was very probably unexpected. Okay, so you guys may remember that the word in Hebrew for spirit is the word ruach. That's my best attempt at pronouncing it. Um, But it means breath, wind, and spirit. So the scholar Tim Mackey from the Bible Project identifies a common element among these three as energy. The energy in your breath and vitality, the power of the wind and the spirit, which he says is actually significant in understanding this word. So he identifies it as the life-giving, revitalizing presence of God. So where the spirit of God moves, it brings life and it brings energy. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I could use some of that, you guys. (laughs) Come, Holy Spirit. He brings life and he brings energy. This is evident from the first pages of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, when the Spirit's hovering over the waters before creation, and he participates in the act of creation, bringing new life. 
Paul says it's the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. So where the Spirit of God moves, it brings life and energy. So what does that energy do for us? What does that mean? Well, according to the prophet Joel, it empowers the community to be fully engaged in the kingdom. That's the Nikki translation. He says, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. So I think that we often, in a Western mindset, think of prophecy as predicting the future. Sometimes prophecy involves discussing the future. But the Old Testament understanding of prophecy is when God speaks to humans. So the prophets were a select group of people who were privileged enough to have a powerful personal encounter with the presence of God and to hear his voice in a clear and evident way. So clear, in fact, that they then became his representatives to speak his word to others. This undoubtedly would not be lost on the original audience when Joel predicts that the gift of prophecy is going to be given to the masses. It's no longer a select few of people who get to experience God's presence in a powerful way and hear his voice, but it's going to be poured out on your sons and your daughters. So it's the gift of his presence. It's the gift of himself. This is really important, I think, because Francis Chan is not wrong. I think New Testament Christians really take this for granted. Jesus and, said, and Paul says that the prophets desired what we have. They looked forward and, and longed for it. And I think we take for granted that we have access to the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is an amazing gift. So he goes on to say that the old men <laughs> are going to dream dreams. Don't get offended, okay? I'm not going to identify which of you are going to be included in that group, okay? That's for you to decide. But he says the old men are going to dream dreams. The young men are going to see visions. So we could view this as different forms of prophecy, right? Prophetic dreams, prophetic visions. I do believe that God speaks through prophetic words and visions and dreams. That's evident throughout the Old and the New Testament. But as I mentioned before, Joel is written in poetry. And poetry has this beautiful ability to use words where they have a double meaning. And I believe that's what Joel's doing here because he seems to be being really intentional about the words that he's using with the groups that he's using them with. He's going to pour out his spirit on everybody. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams. This is really interesting because I think we think of dreaming as something that young people do just by nature. Maybe when you're young, you're a little bit naive and you've got your whole life ahead of you, and all your possibilities are endless. But as you get older, you start to look back on your life, right? Your dreams have either been fulfilled and realized or lost. But I've witnessed this firsthand with my grandparents and a lot of my friends here, that as you get older, you start to question, what is God doing in me now? Is there still something for God to do in me? Or am I just coming to the end? Am I done? Well, let me tell you that the prophet Joel says that the old men are going to dream dreams, that when the Holy Spirit is poured out on you, the life-giving, energizing Spirit of God is going to give you dreams. 
And I think dreams is significant. It signifies purpose and a hope for the future. So I think that you choose for yourself. If you identify with this, if that's how you feel, I would say that Joel's word from the Lord for you today is God is not done with you yet. He has a purpose for you. There is a hope for you. He wants to use you. As long as you have that life-giving breath, the spirit of God in you, he still is using you and he still has a purpose for you. I hope you receive that this morning. Likewise, he says that the young men are going to see visions. So that word vision comes from the root word in Hebrew, kaza, not even close, but to see or perceive is what it means. It means it can mean to perceive with intelligence or to see by experience. That's interesting. So the wisdom and vision that comes from years of life experience is being given to the young. I think it's interesting, and I'm going to include myself here. Um, I think that our generation, especially millennials and the generations below us, are perhaps more hesitant than previous generations to fully engage with the community of God. It's completely understandable. We are the most stressed, most distracted, most overwhelmed because of technology and the internet and social media. We have distractions. We're busy. We're more accessible than ever. So we tend to be the most hesitant to fully engage in the community of God. But I think what ends up happening when we do that is we get trapped in what I call the hamster wheel. You eat, you sleep, you work, you do school, you eat, you sleep, you work, you do school, and then you die. (laughs) But that, you guys, is not the purpose of our life. The only way for us to have hearts fully alive is to experience the life-giving, energizing power of the Holy Spirit. That happens as we fully engage in the kingdom of God. So I believe that the word of the Lord for us today from the prophet Joel is, jump on in, the water is fine. Francis Chan challenges us in this way in the book. If everyone gave and served and prayed exactly like you, would the church be healthy and empowered, or would it be weak and listless? I'm not going to lie, that really convicted me. So I believe that the Spirit of God wants to give us a kingdom vision that involves both what he wants to use us for in the future, but also how he wants you to step out in faith right now. And I'm not saying this to pressure you or to make you feel guilty. Here's, in a nutshell, the point. You matter. Your contribution matters. And we need you. Your local body, wherever that is, whether that's BFCN or somewhere else, is handicapped without your participation. It's like a body missing a member. So this is true for both groups, the old and the young. 
as Chan pointed out in the quote I read earlier, that these things have to come from God, right? He said, I don't want my life to be explainable by just human measures. That's why we call it the supernatural, right? It supersedes what's natural to us. And I think this is significant in what Joel's communicating because when the Spirit comes and he brings life, he does it in a fresh and surprising way. Otherwise, who gets the credit for that? You would. If an old person has a lot of wisdom and they have this great vision, we could say, wow, you have all this life experience. Look at you. You've gained all this wisdom. That's awesome. Or we might look at a young person and be like, well, you're really hopeful. That's amazing because you're young and you haven't really experienced the harsh realities of life. But when you look at an old person that has hope for the future and they have experienced the harshness of life and they have all this experience and gained wisdom, but they still have a hope for the future of the kingdom of God and the work that God's doing in and through them, that's when we go, wait a minute, something else is at work here. This is not natural. I think that's significant. But I want to tell you, you're not on your own here. Like I said, the Spirit comes to give us life and energy. He wants to empower you for this. So if you don't remember anything else I said today, I want you to remember this. You must first become a full recipient, which enables you to become a full participant. You must first become a full recipient of the life-giving, energizing spirit of God. If you ever hope to be able to become a full participant in the kingdom of God. If we don't first receive, guys, we have nothing to give. And that's why we feel tapped out. That's why we feel like we have nothing to give, because we don't. And that's okay. The Spirit is going to provide. So he goes on to say, even on my servants, male and female, and the Spirit's going to be poured out, okay? The NIV is not my favorite rendering of this because I think we use in Christian churches terms like we serve God. So it might sound like he's talking about people who serve God. He's not. He's actually talking about a class of people. The NRSV translates it as male and female slaves. That's a little closer to what's being represented in the Hebrew. Those gender words actually mean like manservant and maidservant. Why does that matter? Well, Joel's not unique among the prophets in predicting the coming of the Spirit, but he is in his level of inclusivity, which gets increasingly more expansive. So Joel says that the Spirit of God's going to be poured out. You can do the next slide. The life-giving spirit of God, it's for everybody. It's for everyone. There's no qualifiers and there's no disqualifiers. It's whether you're old or you're young, you're male or you're female, you're rich or you're poor, you're influential or seemingly insignificant. Those who are overlooked are also included. So I wanted to just say to you today that there may be someone here who feels like, for whatever reason, you're always on the outside looking in. And you never feel like you're really fully engaged and fully accepted into the kingdom or into the community. For whatever reason, you always feel like you're on the outside. No matter what you do, 
You feel like, maybe like a servant in the household, you're there, but you're not a full member of the family. You're like a second-class citizen. What I believe that the prophet Joel would say to you today is there is no such thing. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. This life-giving, energizing, empowering spirit is being given to everybody. It's a level playing field. So if that's you today, I invite you, step on in. There's no need to remain on the outside. You are invited to come in and be a part. So speaking of community, I've been talking about it a lot, so it should come as no surprise that I'm going to tell you this is a community experience. So the commentator Timothy Green that I quoted earlier, I do have a slide for this, Oh, it's actually working now. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't think it was. Okay. While Joel understands individuals to be directly affected by the pouring of the divine spirit, this gift of God is first and foremost at work in the salvation and empowering of the covenant community as a whole. So Joel is using plural language, right, in this whole section. He's illustrating this idea that the Spirit's being poured out on the community. So the Spirit does move in individual hearts and lives. I'm not denying that. That's what we've been talking about with this entire series. But that's not what Joel is describing. And thus, that's not what I'm talking about today. The Spirit is active and moving in your lives. I believe that in each of us, but this is a special thing that Joel is saying. When the people of God come together and cry out to God in desperation, there is a special thing that happens. This happened in the scriptures, and it's happened throughout church history. When people come together, the Spirit of God is poured out in a powerful way. So let me ask you today, just to consider, are you truly satisfied? Are you satisfied with the way things are? Are you energized and empowered by the life-giving Spirit of God? Do you sense his presence in a tangible way? When you're with the community of God, right? We're talking about this community. When you're here in a service, is there supernatural evidence of the Spirit's work in your life or in your community? Something that even an unbeliever would say, that ain't right. That ain't normal. So I've been talking about how the Spirit empowers you to be fully engaged. We've been talking about that some. So what does it look like? I'm going to give you some really specific uh, stuff here because I think that's going to be most helpful. Being fully engaged in the community means showing up where the needs are. So I'm going to give you a plug here right now. It's going to make... Warning, everyone uncomfortable, including me. But no one knew about this, so you can't blame anybody but me, okay? Okay, so here we go. I appreciate the heart behind when Pastor Nicole says that she's not going to pressure people to get involved in children's and youth ministry if they don't feel called or they're not, in her words, passionate. But I want to propose to you today, because I think this is important to recognize, passion can be cultivated. It can also be squelched. 
And here's what I believe, that there are some people in our community who have the potential for passion. And for whatever reason, we're not allowing the spirit to fan the spark into a flame. How do I know that? Because there's a need. I truly believe that in the sovereignty and goodness of the Holy Spirit, when the New Testament says that the Spirit distributes the gifts among the believers according to his will for the common good, that he would not leave us with a gaping hole. Why would he do that? No, if there's a need that tells me that there is a solution to that need present in our community. Why am I saying this? Okay, but he, because that's where the needs are for this local body. But I will say, also, let's acknowledge, you don't have to be called to kids or youth ministry to do practical things. You can make snacks. You can run a budget. You can do fundraising. You can organize volunteer schedules. There's a lot of ways for us to get involved. So get creative about your individual talents. And I would encourage you, this is really practical and really specific, and again, I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do this. They're probably going to hate me later. But here's what I would ask you to do. Consider doing this for reals. Go up to Pastor Nicole or Pastor Bo or the people who serve in the kids' ministry, right? Brenda, Larry, Dawn. And here's what I want you to say. What do you need? How can I pray for you? How can I support you in the work that you're doing? Because being fully engaged involves knowing where the needs are, and you can't know where the needs are if you aren't fully engaged. So at the very absolute least, we can be praying for, supporting, and encouraging those who are serving in the areas that have the most need. But let's not use that as an excuse to do nothing. Okay, I'm done. I know. It's just, okay. But if you're not part of BFCN, guess what? You can apply this principle in your own context. It's about being creative and available to serve wherever there is the most need. So I'll say it again. Being fully engaged is being aware of the needs and actively pursuing solutions. We need each other. And the point of this is to say that you are an integral part. Every person in this room is an integral part of your community. Don't think that you're not, because you are. All right, now what? So what do we do with that? Francis Chan said this in the introduction to the book. Without the Holy Spirit, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. So let me add the caveat here that when I'm saying all these things, I don't want you to hear that I'm saying, just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want you to do it in your own strength. It literally has to be something that we couldn't do on our own in order for the Holy Spirit to be glorified. So I'll say it again. Become a full recipient first of the life-giving, energizing power of the Holy Spirit, and that will enable you to become a full participant. And I promise you that when the Spirit's moving through you, you are going to feel that energy, and it's also going to bless you. Okay. So I've been addressing individuals in the community. Now I want to address the community as a whole. How do we upgrade our results from human-sized to God-sized? 
I'll give you a clue. If you read the book of Joel, which like I said, you can, it's prayer. It's through prayer, and it's through community prayer. Joel presents himself, his view of himself is primarily as a member of a community. And the member of the community, they suffer together, they pray together, and they're restored together. And then the Holy Spirit is poured out on them together. We cannot expect to experience the fullness of God's promised presence on our own. We must fully engage with our community and seek God together. Only then can we hope to see the outpouring of the Spirit that Joel describes. I want to tell you that God was already moving in our community, if you don't believe it, because this is a true story. I sat down in Pastor Nicole's office a few weeks ago, and I said, I feel like I really need a super like specific call to action for my sermon, like a prayer meeting. And she's like, oh, we're already on it. So God was already moving on hearts other than mine that this is something that our community needs. So that's coming soon. I think it's supposed to hopefully maybe start in June that there will be a gathering monthly where people can come together and pray. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I just want you to make a note and remember what is the Spirit doing in your heart right now? This is between you and God at this moment. While it will become obvious eventually to other members of your community, whether you're fully engaged or not, at this moment, this is between you and God. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or sign up, but what I want you to do is talk to the Spirit, and I want you to tell Him yes or no. I'm in or I'm out. Do you want the life-giving Spirit of God? So for others outside of the BFCN community, I'll say if you're new, you're invited to join us. Like the Prophet Joel has been community, nobody is left out, so you are welcome to just jump on in. But there are others here who are not new. <laughs> you may be a, not be a part of BFCN, but you are a part of the family of God. So what I would encourage you to do is pursue regular rhythms of prayer with your community. If you have a church community, I would suggest you start there. If not, Gather some friends and family together. I think something consistent is key, whether that's weekly or monthly. Set aside some time to seek the Lord together and ask for his life-giving spirit to move in your midst and be poured out in your community. I am going to give you guys a minute, five minutes actually, to respond to the spirit now. I'm going to give you a chance to talk to the spirit about what you're feeling, to, to do what I asked you to do. Let it communicate to the Spirit directly. I want this, but I'm scared, but I'm tired. Fill in the blank. Or maybe you say, I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> Whatever it is, I want you to just be honest with the Lord. So we're going to give you five minutes of just prayer time. It's going to feel like a really long time. I'll tell you that right now. I want you, I would encourage you to just lean into it. Try to rein in your wandering thoughts. Breathe deeply. Close your eyes if that helps you. You can kneel. The altars are open. You can pray where you are. But I want to ask you to just acknowledge what you're feeling. Give it to the Lord. And if you would, if you want to, ask him to pour out his spirit. After that, we are going to respond in worship but before we pray, I want to leave you with just this. These are the closing lines from a 19th century poem by C.T. Studd. 
It says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burnt out for thee. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Please stand if you're able <laughs> so we can let our hearts respond to what the Lord's doing in our lives today. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Your 
seated. I uh, just want to go on record of saying thank you, Nikki, for that word. And if it did step on our toes, it stepped on them in all the right ways. Um, And I'm just so grateful uh, for a fellow prophetic voice, if you will, that speaks the word of God to the people of God. And it's the word we needed. Um, I, I think it for me personally, and I know we're we've We've been going on and on. I promise not to preach a follow-up sermon. But I do want to share pastorally that as as a pastor, as a leader, as I kind of said earlier, it's really easy to make plans. And it's easy to establish, here's what we want to do. Here's what we think we need to do. And I think there is a place for that. I think that's important. But if it's not spirit-led and spirit-filled, it will flop. And I'm aware of that. And in case I ever forget, I want the reminder I want to be shaken and be reminded. And I believe that God wants to do great things in our lives and in our community here at BFCN. And I think the first place to begin is on our knees in prayer together for more of God, for more of his spirit. And I believe God will do amazing things. And so the first Wednesday of June, as Nikki alluded, and this backstory, this is amazing because We were kind of planning this before I ever knew that Nikki wanted to have like a specific call. 
And that's why I said I have the perfect call for you because I've been talking with some of you who I love how the Lord has just been prompting your own hearts. And I've had these random conversations with so many of you who say, I feel like we need more time for specific and intentional prayer as a body. And and how can we do that? What does that look like for, for where we are? And so this has been just a small group effort um, from some individuals who just said, let's, let's have some more time for prayer as a faith community. And so from that um, is born kind of what I'll call like a, a first Wednesday prayer night. And so the first Wednesdays of the month uh, for the next few months, that's what we're going to do. We'll gather here. Um, it's open to everyone. I know not everyone will always be able to make it, but I do hope that it will be a priority for you. And the goal is simply to show up and to pray and to be open to what God wants to do. Um, And so you'll get more details on that, but I do want to share that with you. And so, Nikki, I'll let you come and leave us with a benediction. Am I on? Sorry, I'm not used to this microphone. (laughs) I will say, she said, for the next few months, I hope it's for the next few years, (laughs) let's gather and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come. So, uh, it was a lot. Take it home, process it. But I say for you today that my hope is that as you go, you will continue to remember the words that we just sang together and that your heart will continue to sing them in sincerity and desperation. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. May you go and continue to seek the Lord in prayer together asking for the life-giving spirit so you can become a full recipient, empowered to be a full participant in the kingdom of God. Amen. You're dismissed.